welcome everybody, but uh, I thought I would get started uh, with my COVID mask on. You know, we're definitely in a different time right now, just to uh, remind us that uh, we're this new era of orthopedics uh, during COVID. But uh, here, I'll, I'll take my mask off and, uh, and get started. It gives me uh, great pleasure to be able to interview not only my mentor, but uh, truly one of the giants of Isakos and really all of orthopedic surgery, Dr. Peter Fowler. But uh, he spent his whole career at the uh, University of Western Ontario, not only taking care of patients, athletes of all levels, but really teaching hundreds of residents and fellows throughout his career, and they're spread all over the world. He really advanced the art of sports medicine, the role of arthroscopy, not only in Canada, but worldwide. He was a leader in many organizations uh, that involve sports medicine and orthopedic surgery. And he was rewarded at the end of his uh, brilliant career, or he was bestowed the, the honor of having the Order of Canada, which is really the highest honor that you can receive as a Canadian in the country, and uh, we'll hear about that. But most importantly, Dr. Fowler is a humble man. He's very kind. He's very loyal and really respects all the people that work with him and that are around him. And I think these are the qualities that have uh, really brought him to the pinnacle of his success. So uh, without any further ado, I think we'll get started and, and uh, we'll conduct this interview and, and hear from the man himself. Pete Fowler trained in London, Ontario, and uh, he spent his career at the University of Western Ontario under Jack Kennedy, who was another great in sports medicine Pete, can you speak a little bit about how it was starting out and working with Jack Kennedy and the impact that he may have had on your career? Well, Ned, first of all, a little history. I knew Ned before I went to medical school when I was a first year at Western. After my first year, between my first and second year, I taught swimming and lifeguarded at a pool. When one day Mrs. Kennedy brought their three younger children down and introduced herself and asked if I would try to teach them how to swim. Well, they were taught in no time whatsoever. And eventually two of the three were on the national swimming team. And uh, I got to know Jack through that. Through medical school, we kept track of each other, I guess. He invited me a couple times into the operating room to watch him fix somebody's knee and then at the end of medical school, I went to the University of Michigan to intern. I didn't know what I wanted to do in the future, but during that intern year, I decided orthopedics was what I'd like. And I came back to London to tell Dr. Kennedy that and ask him where I should go. And he indicated to me that maybe I should stay at Michigan where I was, that was a very good program. So I said, okay, that that's, makes it easy. So I applied and got the compulsory year of general surgery we had to do at Michigan. And while that year was going on, I applied for the orthopedic program and I was accepted. And I was so excited to go back and tell Dr. Kennedy that I did get excited, I get, did get accepted. He said, Pete, I want you to turn it down. I said, why? You told me that's where I should go. He said, well, I urge you 
to come back and be the first resident here in a program we're just getting ready to start. And so that was that. I came back as his first resident and did three years of orthopedics with him, two clinical and one research, and had a good research project according to him anyway. He traveled around the world with it. Yeah, he said, you're not ready yet though. He was a tough taskmaster and I, all I could do was keep on the good side of him all those three years. And he said, you're not quite ready. I think you need a year of finishing school. And he said, I, I got a couple places for you to, to ask you about. And one would be Duke. And I said, that'll be fine. I'll go to Duke for a year. So they call that a fellowship now, but it was finishing school then for me. I went to Duke and enjoyed the year. And then at the end of that time, which was summer of 1970, I came back in practice with him. So I guess he didn't think I was that bad. So that was the beginning. And um, in those early years, maybe because of Dr. Kennedy, you became involved in arthroscopy and popularized the use of arthroscopy, and which really led to the, you know, the, the field of sports medicine becoming popular. Can you talk a little bit about that? We got to remember Bob Jackson was Canadian and he introduced arthroscopy to not only Canada, but the whole Western world, having come back from Japan where he trained with Dr. Watanabe, who, and brought the name Watanabe Arthroscope back. And he started practicing in Toronto with that. And Dr. Kennedy said, why don't you go down for a couple of days and see what you can learn? Maybe you can start, a, start it up here. I came back to Victoria Hospital and they <clears throat> re vamped a closet that they had in the operating room. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I carried out diagnostic arthroscopies. Um, many, many of them. Um, what happened then was a, a surgeon would send you a patient and you had to make the diagnosis, which I did with arthroscopy, and then sent them back for them to open up the knee and operate on it. And so I served what's now being done by the MRI is what it amounted to. But anyways, it kept me busy and I learned how to manipulate that Watanabe 21 arthroscope around just about anybody's knee. And after I'd been down there a while, I went back to him and he arthroscoped my knee. And then many, many years later, I arthroscoped his knee. We had a mutual admiration society, I guess. <laughs> well, I think it was obviously, uh, you know, evidence that uh, you were on the right track. And well, Don Johnson and from Vancouver, Day, Brian Day, um, were the first ones to show at least at the Canadian Orthopedic Association um, papers where they did some surgery. And the surgeon, they had all the little pieces on a cloth. It was mainly loose bodies and meniscal tags and things like that. But it got me spurred on to start doing that. and. The rest is history. One thing led to another, and there was almost everything we did arthroscopically right then. We've come a long way, and I remember that's what you used to say during our training was arthroscopy is not for diagnosis, it's therapeutic. So you went all the way from being a diagnostician to being a, a treating physician using the arthroscope. You know, not, you know, we were able to make the diagnosis before going in. You, you've always been involved as a team physician and obviously you, you had uh, 
you know, a lot of experience with your own uh, participation as an athlete. Can you talk a little bit about what you enjoyed the most about being a team, posi team position and, and doing team coverage? Well, I enjoyed, I enjoyed working with teams. J.C. Kennedy must have been the head team position when you started, so. Yeah, when I was, uh, exactly. The, the day I started uh, my residency, Dr. Kennedy became the team physician for all the Western sport athletic teams. When the football season was on, he didn't like to go to the away games, so he always sent me. And I learned an awful lot at those games. And it was mainly from the trainer, but it was good teaching on how to diagnose and treat acute injuries. I enjoyed my time as a resident, not as a, yeah, as a resident and as a staff man. And then um, I guess Dr. Kennedy went to the Olympics. What happened there? Well, I was going to say, you said I enjoyed being on teams. I was in high school. I was on football, basketball, and volleyball teams. And at Western, I was on the swimming team. And then I was on the national, a couple of national teams for swimming. And I enjoyed the esprit de corps of, of teams, whether I was participating or whether I was just a physician. Uh, I always enjoyed that. I even enjoyed being with the football team, Ned, when you were playing. Yeah, you did a couple of surgeries on me. You know, the uh, gastrointestinal problems in the Mexico Olympics kind of spurred on the right. era of sports medicine. That's right. Dr. Kennedy went to the 1968 Olympics while I was a resident, that was. And he didn't go as a doctor. He went as a parent because Louise, one of the three kids who taught swimming, was on the swimming team. And there was an outbreak of gastrointestinal problems on the team and there was no doctor to look after them. He got very up, upset about this. And when he got back, he couldn't stop talking about it, but decided to do something about it. So he contacted a few doctors in Canada, some orthopods and some primary care people that were interested in sport and invited them to a meeting. And that meeting in fact became the very first meeting of CASM the Canadian Academy of Sport Medicine. And its initial, its initial main mandate was to send medical teams away with the, our national teams when they go to major games throughout the world. And then in 1972, I believe it was, um, the first medical team went to Munich for the Summer Olympics and Dr. Kennedy was the chief medical officer of that team. And when he came back, he didn't keep quiet in the operating room about what a good experience it was and how we need to keep that up. So we did keep it up. He talked to me about it and I was invited in 1975 to be the orthopedic consultant on a medical team going to the Pan American Games in Mexico City. But I was glad I had primary care people with me that knew how to look after the enteritis. But at any rate, that was a good experience for me. Well, I, I know that you've been the chief medical officer for, for many of the games, you know, the Olympics. Um, yeah, the Olympics in Sarajevo in 1984. That was a big treat being there. That was a fun time. And then a couple of Commonwealth Games teams. In 1990, I went to um, New Zealand 
for the, as the chief medical officer. And in 1988, I went to Kuala Lumpur as for the Commonwealth Games as the chief medical officer. That was all volunteer service and I'd had about enough, although I really enjoyed it. Well, I think you paved the way, you know, because um, I think I think these types of experiences, I, I think, um, um, you know, got us all into uh, being involved in, in covering games and covering teams. And I think the Canadian Academy of Sports Medicine really became a leader in providing care for these games in terms of selecting a, a team, you know, primary care physicians, orthopedic surgeons, um, physical therapists, they all went to the games as a team. And I think this uh, probably affected the way you felt sports medicine should be practiced. Exactly. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, you know, obviously you, you got a reputation from doing all these things. And, and, you know, what I remember is that many athletes, even after they, they were in the professional leagues and they had their own team physicians, they trusted you to give them advice on what they should do with injuries. Um, and so you took care of many of these athletes and obviously they trusted you and trusted your judgment. What, what, what characteristics allow, allowed these athletes to trust you? What, what is it that advice that you can give younger physicians about treating athletes? I was an athlete myself and had some problems that upset me and I needed taken care of. So I, was, I knew the mindset of them because I had the same mindset when I was there in their boots. So that helped, I think. And um, secondly, I, try, I didn't try to make anything special out of them. I tried to treat them just like anybody else, except maybe not put them at the end of the queue to get in. We might move them up a little bit. And it doesn't hurt when a, when a, a popular athlete comes to your clinic or comes to see you and you look after him and, he, and it gets reported in the, by the press, in the media. That doesn't hurt at all. You know, this, uh, the next question I had was about the, the fact that sports medicine is a multidisciplinary specialty and that you did build one of the most respected clinics in North America, which is now known as the Fowler Kennedy Sports Medicine Clinic. And I think you've had many visitors, many people ask how, how you put it together. And uh, I can tell you that even now, um, there's not many clinics around that function the way the Fowler Kennedy Sports Medicine Clinic uh, functions. What made the, the, you know, this clinic so successful? Of course, they have to be good people in those multidisciplines. But I always dreamt that as surgeons, we, we should be able to have a dialect with a primary care physician or a physio or athletic therapist or imaging people just like that in the same house and the same at the same time instead of sending them all over town for this that and the other thing you helped start that <laughs> well i i don't think i had much to do with it other than uh being there and uh i can say that that you know having a leader of a team like pete fowler really makes the team successful and the reason a leader like dr fowler makes the team successful is that he gave everybody else credit. He never said, well, this, this, you know, athlete succeeded because of my surgery. He always said, oh, this athlete did well because of the therapy and because of the rehab and, you know, everybody else that was around. So 
it's uh, it's leading by example and giving everybody else credit for everything that uh, they did made people work much more together and much more like a team. So I think it was your leadership that kind of uh, was the glue that kept uh, everybody working together. As as uh, obviously your your career grew and you became involved in many organizations. You mentioned the Canadian Academy of Sports Medicine. You know the the other ones that you've been significantly involved in was the uh, International Society of the Knee, a, you know AOSSM, ISACOS, and and you really uh, became a leader in these organizations. Um, maybe you can comment on why you feel these organizations are important for sports medicine and why young surgeons should be come involved and become part of these groups? Well, yes, starting with CASM and AOSSM, for instance, that was Dr. Kennedy's influence. I was a resident when he started CASM, and uh, much of CASM's work early on was towards the team doctor. And then after I was in practice with him for a couple of years, he, he and a few of his American friends were instrumental in starting the American Orthopedic Society for Sports Medicine that you were president of, Ned, a few couple of years ago. And uh, again, that in its early years, that had a lot to do with the team physician. But now more and more, there's a lot more science to them, to these programs as well. And science is a big part of it, staying up to date with all the uh, stuff that's going on, especially in, in you know, such a quickly advancing field like sports medicine. And I think the international component, which I think is uh, very important as well, it's good to hear a different point of view, you know, rather than sticking to exactly. your own, own backyard. Yeah, you learn there's many ways to skin a cat. <laughs> particularly, it's more enjoyable when you're, when you're on the other side of the world learning some of these things. You know, you were the inaugural president of ISACOS, um, which I think is, is quite a tribute to your leadership and your, your ability to bring people together and even bring organizations together. Can you talk a little bit about the formation of ISACOS and, and why they chose you as the first president? The, there were two organizations. I think, did I tell you that Bob Jackson encouraged me to be an a member of the International Arthroscopy Association right when it first started. So I was always a member of that as well. But the International Arthroscopy, that's IAA, in the ISK, International Society for the Knee, bonded together, banded together for meetings. And this started in the late 80s, 1987. And when I mean they got together, it mean, meant the first part of the meeting, say, would be the International Society of the Knee and the end part would be the IEA with both parts in the middle, something like that. But anyway, that first one in Sydney, Australia was quite successful. Two years later, that would be 1989, you and I remember this one because it was in Rome. And again, it was very successful. And then the next one, 1991, was in Toronto and by this time, I was on the executive of the ISK. Kenda Haven had um, pushed me into joining the ISK, which was a good thing to do, and I eventually got on the executive. But that's the first time they were starting to talk about why they should join with IA as one 
one uh, organization which would give us many advantages. So I uh, went down to San Francisco in the evening one night and met with um, Harold Eichelar and Gary Paling and gave them my bit about how it would be good if we could join up. And they just said quite flatly they weren't interested and I couldn't persuade them anywhere else. So they just left on me and I went back with my tail between my legs <laughs> and told the executive what happened. And they said, well, it's not your fault. <laughs> but sometime later, I don't know whether it was weeks or months, they, they had a change of tune and they decided to join up with us. So by the time of the next one of these combined meetings, which was going to be in, let's see. Uh, Copenhagen. Copenhagen. We had the executives of both organizations meet to try and tie some of these ends together. First of all, get a name for our society. Secondly, get a first president and a few other things. So the getting, getting the name of the society was up to Kendi Haven, the past president of the uh, Nee Society and David Dandy, who was the past president of the International Arthroscopy. And I remember David Dandy had a chalkboard there and he started and the first letter was I, and nobody argued about that, that was international. The next letter was S and nobody argued, that was society. Then next came a big argument because the arthroscopy people wanted A and the international knee wanted K to be next. And they argued back and forth, both for many reasons, they thought their own should be first. And finally, Ken DeHaven gave up and he just said, oh, gave in, I should say, and said, okay, the A can come next, but we get to name the first president. And since I was the president-elect, that's how I became the first president. <laughs> so the rest of the lettering was easy. That was K came next, this act. Uh, that's arthroscopy and knee, and then the OS for orthopedic sports medicine. So after that, that meeting, uh, the ISK did it by, a, by an email vote, and it was almost unanimous, but the IIA had it in their constitution that they had to have a show of hands vote. So we waited until the next meeting in Hong Kong, and we did the show of hands with IA, and it was unanimous. So we now were formerly ISACOS, and that was 25 years ago. And we were set to get ready for the first meeting, which would be 1997 in, in Buenos Aires. Well, that's a great piece of history, Pete. I'm glad you went through that. And I, I think it's gonna be important to, to you know, keep track of all that, but you, you've had a big hand in, in the formation of ISACOS and uh, you know, the international importance of uh, orthopedic and sports medicine education. Over the years, you've obviously received numerous awards. And again, we don't have time to go over every, every award that you have received from, you know, local, national, and international groups. But uh, some of them include the Sports Medicine Hall of Fame from AOSSM, the Western Athletics Hall of Fame. But we all know you were 
awarded the Order of Canada. And I'm not sure there's too many sports medicine orthopedic surgeons with such a distinct honor. Can you share with us a little bit what that meant to you? The Order of Canada, I'll tell you what, I was very, very honored. And here's why the Order of Canada is conferred on Canadians who have made a significant contribution to one of many aspects of Canadian life. And the ceremony was held in November of 2018 in Rideau Hall in Ottawa by the Governor General, with the Governor General presiding, whose name was Julie Payette. And interestingly, she's the representative of Queen Elizabeth to Canada. I, I'm honored speaking to you and I, I I think it's a it's a well-deserved honor, and uh, you had a huge, you know, huge uh, and significant contribution to basically um, your field, and uh, and I really think makes uh, you know Canada proud. And um, I know that that is a big thing for you, being a Canadian and and uh, being part of Canada and uh, loving the country. Again, I feel like my home is Canada as well, and I'm I'm in many ways. Sorry that I, I left, but um, continue to do your good stuff. And, and uh, you know, Canada continues to lead the world in many ways. So does this Order of Canada give you special permission to communicate with uh, with the Prime Minister or the Queen? And get Not everything? that I've heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know of, Ned. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, finally, I, I wanted to also bring out the fact which I, I think has had a huge impact worldwide is that you, you've taught so many fellows, residents and orthopedic surgeons over the years. Um, and I can tell you people really enjoy uh, hearing you uh, speak and, and love to be taught by you. And uh, I just was wondering what your, your feelings are, you know, what, what makes you enjoy that and what you enjoyed the most about teaching so many people how to be how to be good surgeons, but also how to be good people. Residents and fellows, first of all, Ned, are pretty smart to start with, and they're anxious to learn something, and uh, they're easy to teach. And I, I always love teaching residents and fellows, most of the time. As you <laughs> and I know, there'd be the odd time we didn't like it, but uh, most always I loved it. Well, I, it's obvious that you, you loved it and enjoyed it because I think you, you really had fun being around uh, the fellows, being around um, residents. And uh, you're very, you know, the, the most important thing is I think you really cared about everybody. You, you're very loyal to, to all of us. And I, I'm proud to say that um, you had a huge impact on me and uh, I, can, I can thank you for most of the things I've been able to do. You know, as, as you pointed out through your career, you had people that affected you and, and uh, helped you in, in, in getting you in the right places. And I can tell you that you had a huge impact in everything I've done. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Ned. You were easy to teach. <laughs> I hope that's the truth. But um, That's the truth. Anyways, uh, Pete, I, I, you know, we can, we can, you know, personally, I think we can talk about this stuff for hours and I love talking about everything. Um, you've had a wonderful career and you continue to, uh, you know, impact people and uh, impact many of those around you. So 
I really want to thank you for uh, allowing us to interview you for uh, Isakos, and I, I've really enjoyed it. But before we uh, come to an end, is there anything else you would like to speak about? You know, I've asked all the questions, but uh, or people that you wish to uh, acknowledge. Yes, I would, Ned. I would first of all like to acknowledge Isakos. I'm proud of the way it has grown so much through the years. It just didn't fade away. I wanted to thank the Fowler Kennedy Sport Medicine Clinic because they're, as you indicated, they're, they're hard workers and they've got a good name and they make me look good because my name's on the front door. That's most what I like about it. <laughs> I'd like to, to thank you, Ned. You were my student and then my teacher and my doctor and my patient and my everything, my partner. Advisor. And now you're my advisor. So thank you very much. And I lastly I'd like to most of all thank my family for putting up with all this nonsense through the years. They've stood by me the whole time and I'm very happy for it. Thank you, Ned. Well, thank you, Pete. Um, you know, you, you, you continue to um, inspire all of us and inspire me with your, your kind comments. You know, thank you very much for the nice things, but uh, it's really been an honor. It's been a pleasure to, uh, to be your student and uh, be your doctor and be your friend. And uh, so I hope we continue on in the, in the, in the long term being, uh, you know, loyal uh, friends and admirers of each other. So anyways, thank you very much for doing this. And thank you very much for what you've done for orthopedic surgery and sports medicine your whole career. <laughs>